On our GNL Voice guest line today, we have Ben Farber. We'll be talking to Ben about the results of the 2019 Casino Gaming Survey. And Ben is the president of Bristol Associates, and in 2017, they celebrated their 50th anniversary. Ben represents the third generation of the family leadership as the owner and president of the company. And Bristol specializes in recruiting for companies and candidates in the casino gaming, food manufacturing, hospital health care, hotels, resorts, travel, tourism and attractions, and facilities and sessions, and retail businesses. So, Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. Yeah. Appreciate you having me. No problem at all. So, this is the 19th annual version of the Casino Gaming Executive Satisfaction Survey. Can you tell our listeners about more about it, you know, how did it start, what's the methodology behind it, and maybe how it's evolved over the past 20 years, 19 years. Sure. Yeah, our survey began in 2000. Uh, I can't believe how long it's been now. Uh, you know, really the, the purpose at heart was simple. We just wanted to try and provide our industry with some basic insights uh, that didn't exist at the time. Uh, and many of the conversations we were having with, with our network, our audience, both clients and candidates, uh, it always revolved around the basic question. You start off a conversation, how are things going for you currently? Uh, and, you know, we were collecting all this information. We were essentially the source. But it, at the time, people weren't communicating as easily through technology as they are now. So one jurisdiction maybe didn't know what was going on in, in another jurisdiction or, or state or what have you. Uh, and the answer to that question was, was typically revolved around EBITDA performance, uh, compensation, bonuses, you know, those, those sorts of topics. Uh, so ultimately we decided, hey, it would be a good idea to start measuring uh, executive satisfaction and share that back to the industry and see what people think. And I think people like the idea and it started to take off and build. Uh, uh, had a nice streak up until, I'd say, about the, you know, the recession, the first recession in the housing bubble in 2000, 2008. Uh, hit a little bit of a lull, but people were still participating. And then it's taken off again. Uh, the past decade, we've really tried to increase the number of, of participants that we have every year. And uh, we're probably over a thousand now, which is a significant chunk of the industry. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's done really well for us over the course of time. Are, or who are you surveying? What levels? So it's uh, in, in, in our estimation, you know, executive levels is typically anybody that's director level or above, uh, director, VP. C-level folks, uh, obviously, what, that can be at corporate uh, or on property. Uh, that's anyone in the industry, Native American uh, or, or purely corporate casinos. And that's something that's evolved, too, over time is, is who's on the list. Uh, we've gotten to the point where, uh, you know, people see it as uh, as a significant thing that happens annually. And now companies come to us requesting to be on, on the list, uh, which is nice to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we try and... We try and keep that to uh, companies that, you know, are of, are of a certain size, uh, are of a certain recognition already. That's not to discount or discredit anybody in our industry, um, but we wanted to have enough potential impact so that when when people are voting, uh, that at least they'll be known well enough to to get some votes and be able to provide some valuable data, not only back to the industry but to the people at their property and their company. Okay, so you mentioned corporate and Native American casinos. Um, mm-hmm. But I understand you're also now including online gaming and sports betting. How how has that changed the survey, and how do you do you separate the the answers, or how do you organize that? 
Uh, well, I think the the questions and the answers for the most part are the same, but we're curious to see, obviously, uh, the nuances between you know each subdivision of the industry, uh, whether it's corporate Native American or now online gaming and sports books. And obviously, that's very new. So now uh, it's going to take some time, uh, you know, to really draw, I think, some valuable conclusions. That's something I've noticed over the course of the surveys. The more interesting conclusions come from five-year, 10-year spans where you can really look to see how the data is changing with the times, with the economy and what's going on. Mm -hmm. So how do you think that the methodology or your methodology of getting uh, the survey published and and executed has changed over the last 19 years? Or has it? Yeah, well, it, um, we certainly we certainly try to adapt and tweak it and improve upon it every year, whether it's changing the questions or the directions we're going with it based on the feedback we're getting and if it still makes sense. Uh, and again, just you know, staying tuned to what's what's important to people and what's happening, so that so that the feedback and the data is still relevant and doesn't get stale. To just ask the same you know question every year, year after year. That that's really our approach and what we try and do and. And fortunately, you know, the, the people that have come to Bristol since the survey started and, and, you know, since I've been with the company for a long time, that they've taken as much interest as the rest of us have. And I think that interest is what's, you know, continues to create a good product. Mm-hmm. So if we if we get into the the meat of the survey, what categories do you have and how do you separate the questions? So we have... Uh, well, again, it, it still always starts around uh, the fundamental question, which is, are executives satisfied? And as far as their satisfaction is concerned or perceived satisfaction, which which company ranks as the most favorable employer to work for? Uh, and, and so as a result of that question, we've even changed the methodology of the line of questions just around that. I mean, around that being the most important question of the survey and, and you know, strategically where we place it. Uh, so that people are still also answering the rest of the questions. Uh, so that's, you know, that's, that's something for us to consider as well. And, uh, and that's even a challenge sometimes for us to try and take our audience in other directions and not just rely on that. But, it, you know, I understand it is, it is an interesting curiosity. I mean, Hard Rock has uh, taken the crown they took the crown for four years straight and, and, um, and national just last year uh, took the spot back, so it's it's now become this thing where it's it's kind of a back and forth to the industry, um, you know, to see see who's doing and uh, who's doing what and and why maybe those things change, and we're able to provide that feedback to our contacts at those companies and have those discussions. You know, when I hear about polling, there's a science behind you know taking a poll. Is there a science behind? managing and running a survey? Do you know? That's a very good question, John. Is there a science to managing a survey? Well, I'd say the managing, the managing part is probably more, more science than art. Uh, you know, we, we say in, uh, in a lot of other lines of businesses, oftentimes it can be a bit more of an art where you know there's some latitude as to the direction you take as long as everybody's trying to achieve the same goal mm-hmm. but i think a, a, sur- a survey you you want it to be scientific and, and therefore you're trying to make it a little bit more black and white uh and not and not live in the gray so much 
because uh, I think that's when you're able to do that and, and provide what you feel is real data and that people you know, data that people can rely upon, uh, then then that's where the you know the true value comes from. And so, to answer your question, I think it's certainly more more scientific. At least that's our approach to it. Uh, hopefully, not not so much opinionated or, or you know subjective as far as an art form. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at the this year's survey, and you have uh, optimism, employee satisfaction, location, priorities, work-life balance, vacation, and paid time off. Are mm-hmm. those the same questions you ask every year, or have they evolved over time? Yeah, they've they've certainly evolved, and you know, so to answer the that's a good follow up question to what you just asked. Uh, again, I got focused on the one the one big question, but yeah, those those questions and those categories have evolved over time. Uh, the most recent exciting topic for us is, is diving into PTO uh, and how people are using PTO and and what they do with their PTO. Do they get to use it? Do they not get to use it? How many people are using it? Those types of questions and, and getting that kind of data back. And so it's really interesting to see. How, how our audience responded. Uh, I think we've seen that change over time where more people are getting to use their PTO than what used to be the case. Uh, when I first entered the, the casino industry in the early 2000s, there was a stigma in casino and hospitality too that that was just the nature of the business. You worked a lot of hours and you didn't get to take much time off. Um, so finally uh, dawned on us to, to ask that question and see, well, where are people at now? How has that changed? Um, and what can we do with that data to help the industry? Mm-hmm. I once had a an employer or my direct boss tell me that uh, um, vacation didn't mean no work. It just mean, meant uh, less work. So, <laughs> um, but I'm going to jump down to another question based on what you were just saying is it's one of the, 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 the results I saw on your survey in relation to what we were just talking about is 76% of your respondents say they work while on vacation. So mm-hmm. what does that tell you? And you know, what's, what's that mean? <laughs> yeah, I think there's, there's a couple of different ways to look at it. Um, you know, I think the, the analysis is uh, probably the art form, right? Your subjective take on it. Uh, our, our takeaway is that, I, you know, Perhaps people's priorities are uh, a little off kilter. Uh, if, if you know three fourths of our audience uh, can't pull away and take a real vacation in this day and age, that's perhaps you know um, uh, a skeptical way of looking at it. The optimistic thing you would say is, well, people must really uh, enjoy what they do, uh, and, and they don't really separate, and they just integrate their life between personal and business, and, and they enjoy keeping up on things uh, when they're away. Uh, so, and, and you probably get that different feedback depending on who you asked and, and how they answered uh, in that way. But even still, uh, you know, our, our take is that that you, sh- you really should at least once a year take some time, some true time away from work for, you know, at least more than a couple of days so that you can truly disconnect and recharge. It will only make you better at what you do in the long run. Mm-hmm. Going off the same statistic... Um, what I was saying was just 76% of the respondents say they work while on vacation. Is that a question that, that you've been asking for several years? No. So that's something that just, that just came up actually for this survey. This is the first time we started to dig in uh, to the, that line of questioning. And that's something we 
plan to continue to do. Uh, it's something that's probably long overdue, uh, but we're glad we, we started to ask it, ask those types of questions. Um, and it'll be interesting to track that data over time as well. Uh, and, and technology and other advancements really, uh, I think, dictate PTO, work from home time, and even vacation time. So as a tangent to that, to that stat, is there any one question that you've asked year over year that has, that has changed? And have you been surprised about that change? No, that's fine. It's, it's a good question. Um, the, the reason I don't, I don't have an answer for you is because we haven't tracked the data in that fashion. Mm-hmm. So if we ask the question a certain way for a certain period of time, we have the answers for that data. And then if we thought there was a better way to ask the question or change it, then we started tracking it in the new way that we were presenting it. But it's, it's a very good point that has never come up internally, which is, you know, should we compare the two based on the way we change the question? Uh, essentially, we were, you know, our goal is typically just to try and make the survey when you're taking it as fluid as possible, as easy as possible to get through and understand and comprehend so that we're not taking up too much time away from people. I mean, we even track the average time that it takes for somebody to take the survey. And we're very conscientious of that, especially in this day and age where uh, attention span uh, seems to be getting shorter as far as the way we consume information. So that's, that's a long way of saying uh, that's a great question, but no, we haven't, we haven't made that comparison. You know, the, the survey is 28 pages and there's, it, there's an incredible amount of data in that, that uh, document and your survey. Can you tell us, tell the listeners here, what were some of the key findings this year? What were, what were some of the things that said, wow, I, I wouldn't have expected that, or, well, that's a good trend, things like that? Yeah, well, I, I think the, the fact that, again, Penn National took the top spot back was a huge shock. Uh, to probably everyone except those at Penn National. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and reason being is, you know, we, we try and uh, come up with our own hypothesis as to why the company's even in the number one spot or why they're holding it or what's going on. You know, a lot of those factors is just simply how's the company doing? Are they growing? Is there still a positive impression? You know, are the people we're talking to there the content, those sorts of things. And all signs still seem to be pointing that the hard rock was in that direction uh and even though they didn't maintain that spot it's not necessarily knock on them their numbers were still high um and just edged them out so uh that was uh, one major key finding there uh, we already talked about uh, one of the other major findings which is uh, the pto finding uh, and to elaborate on that what we thought was interesting is not only do uh, 76% of professionals continue to work while on vacation but 92% of those people actually do so voluntarily. Um, you know, so I think that's, again, that, that says something, uh, that, that's a strong sentiment there that, again, for one reason or another, people are really in, into what they do um, and, and they're doing so because they want to, uh, more so than uh, because of a, you know, a boss or the way things used to be like this. You know, they're setting a precedent that it has to be done. How many people responded this year compared to, um, say, when you started? Um, again, sorry, I don't have it down to the, the individual, but we were over uh, 1,300 
respondents uh, just as of a year or two ago. Uh, and that's another big effort that we've made to really, uh, you know, push for more and more response. And, and our audiences responded kindly and, and really uh, stepped at the participation, which we're happy to see because we feel like the more people participate, uh, the more value we can bring. And so on this last uh, go around for 2019, we were up to almost 850 uh, online responses, which is is coming a long way because when we first started the survey, you know, we were between 200 and 300 participants. Yeah, on your, I was looking at the data and, and I think it's amazing, you know, in 2000, um, it looks like you had less than 200 and in 2019, looks, you know, you're approaching 1,800. So that's an incredible, impressive growth in the number of respondents for your survey. To me, that just shows that, that it's being taken seriously. Um, so kudos to you on that. Um, so what, Thank you. what are the departments within the organizations that you target? Is it just IT um, or is it? across the, the, the organization? So it's, it's across the board. Uh, you know, the, the main ones are marketing, food and beverage, casino operations, finance, uh, human resources, uh, and hospitality. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, it, just because those are the main departments, we really encourage uh, everyone uh, to participate, uh, whether you're in some of the, you know, some of the other departments, even purchasing, security surveillance, us all all feedback is valuable and warranted uh, and we even offer you know if, if folks have any additional questions on on the results and the analysis we provide uh, and and for some reason or another they don't see the information on there uh, because it's cut off just, just for the sake of uh, simplicity in, in in our graphs we can provide that additional data okay so i'm looking at um you know you had said that penn national took the um, top ranking over from Hard Rock. And this year, it looks like uh, the rankings are Penn National, Seminole, and then MGM Resorts. Mm-hmm. Um, now, does the, the ranking of, of the, the ones that didn't place in the one, two, or three, does that have anything to do with you know the number of respondents or are they weighted in any way? Yeah, there's certainly a factor to that that you know, if you're uh, Landry's, let's say that that you're at a disadvantage, perhaps just because your company may not have as as many participants um, to take the survey. Uh, but you know, there's there's no there's no direct, and from what we found so far, there's no direct way to weight it because ultimately we're not just asking the people at those companies what they think of their own companies. It's what people think of these companies across the board. So it's what it's what everybody at Landry's thinks about all the companies. It's what everybody at Churchill's Downs or uh, you know Pechanga or whoever. So people can have the freedom to vote for whoever they want. They don't have to vote for just their employer. Uh, and, and I think that's that's why we've kept it the way it is for now. Well, that's interesting. So if I'm if I'm at uh, um Boyd Gaming, for example, I could I could have voted for MGM Resorts and not Boyd Gaming. Oh, of course. Okay. Of course. And, and maybe now that you're a Boyd, you worked at MGM before and you trusted our surveys anonymous because you should. It is. And you're thinking, well, in honesty, my experiences, this is completely hypothetical for all the people that work at Boyd and MGM. 
Um, your thought could be, well, uh, you know, I, I thought more of the previous company than I do this company, and then so I'm going to vote accordingly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you did uh, pro- say something very important there, and that's the anonymity of the respondents. So can you elab- elaborate on that just to, you know, because a lot of people might be wondering, you know, how how anonymous is it really? Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we don't we don't ask for any personal information from our respondents. I mean, that's the easiest way uh, to ensure and let them know that, that we're not connecting the dots between who they are and, and their answers. Okay. Um, so- and, and even, even the uh, offering your email is completely voluntary and that's kept off to the side just for the sake of being able to provide participants the analysis when the analysis is ready to send out. Oh, okay. So anyone who responded, do they get a copy of this? Yeah, if they opt, if they opt to receive a copy, of course. Okay, cool. So on the, what we just talked about were the brick and mortars. Um, what about iGaming and the online casino and sportsbook? How, what were the rankings there? And did they change from last year? Uh, so that's actually uh, another new topic along with, along with the PTO topic was uh, the addition of online uh, and sports book. Uh, so no change first go around. Uh, and, and that was interesting, uh, actually, that even though uh, Hard Rock uh, took a step back on the brick and mortar side, they actually came up number one on the online side. Uh, William Hill was number two, uh, not as surprising to us because they've been around a long time uh, in sports books uh, before online gaming came about. Uh, and then and then DraftKings, which uh, was number three, um, was also not uh, too much of a surprise to us because I think out of all the companies in the U.S. that have really got off to a, a fast start in tackling this side of the business, their name's been everywhere. So, Okay. So one of the questions that you're, or I should say one of the categories in the survey is called optimism. And uh, you asked executives to rate their level of agreement with the statement I am optimistic about the future of my career. Um, what were some of the key findings in this category? There's usually a correlation between uh, optimism and uh, company performance and also just where we're at with the economy. So, you know, as you look at that over the past 10 years, you can see that it was on a slight uptick. Uh, and for some, you know, for some reason, actually, it did, it did drop a little bit last year and then it, it slightly went back up again um you know there's there's a, a, a couple of guesses for why that might have been the case uh you know things happen here and there in the industry uh, there's obviously the tragedy in las vegas uh, certain certain companies or certain jurisdictions don't do so hot so maybe that that took a tick off but it's been it's been pretty positive and strong overall uh for the past decade. Yeah, you know, looking at uh, some of the data here, 2017 looks like, you know, maybe 4.5, um, with five being strongly agree um, and three being neutral. So 2017 looks like it might be 4.5, and uh, 2018 is maybe 4.1, and 2019 is 4.2. Um, any thoughts as yeah. to what 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 that means? Uh, well, like again, I you know we have our 
we have our our internal guesses. We try not to we try not to impose too much of our own fingerprints and in, in the analysis away from what the, the data is actually showing you. Uh, but um, you know, I, I think there's things that happen every year uh, that that's going to affect us to go one way or the other, and, and we're right in the middle of something now that'll make it really interesting to see how people respond when we when we put out the, the survey for 2020 uh, and measure optimism. I'll want to talk to you next year at the same time. I I would love to see the results comparing year to year from you know 19, 2019 to 2020, especially with all this stuff going on. Yeah, me and you both. <laughs> Me and you both were very curious, and uh, you know that, that's why we continue to do it. So, for all of you, you know, if there's anybody out there that can testify to the fact they've taken it 19 times, uh, we hope you take it at 20th. Uh, have, do you know if you have anyone that's taken it 19 times? Uh, no. Uh, in fact, I just thought of it. So, <laughs> um, we would love to hear from from those folks, or you know, from anyone, and you know, whether it's been five, 10, 12 times. Yes. Yeah. That would be interesting to see how, how attitudes have changed over the years with one, you know, one, two or three individuals. Um, so when it comes to their employee satisfaction, um, there's lots of different questions here. My company is working hard to keep me satisfied. My company is working hard to keep its management employees satisfied. What, what were some of the surprises or things that you discovered in that level of uh, questioning? Well, I think uh, the, the biggest uh, glaring difference between 2018 and 2019 is uh, whether somebody was confident they could find a better job somewhere else. And so that, that took a, a, a drastic drop. Uh, and I think the reason that might be is that people, you know, again, after a, a strong decade of the economy and growth, people being in good spots in their careers, I think there was a collective sense that, you know, maybe we're at we're peak and it can't get much better than this and where we're at now. And the the bright side of that was, I think, came some gratitude. Um, you know, people were happy to be where they were, wherever they were. Uh, and, and that's why you see that significant drop off there. So the respondents were saying, I don't think I can find a better job someplace else. And, but I'm, but that's okay because I'm, happy where I'm at. Is that basically what you're saying? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And the reason I say that is because we've seen the same thing in reverse. When times were not as good, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010, uh, you know, people felt the opposite. I mean, their confidence was high because if you're, you know, if things aren't going so hot, then you're going to think, well, it must be better than this. Somewhere else. Uh Uh-huh. So what do you think, what were some of your um, conclusions on employee satisfaction besides, you know, what we just talked about? Anything else? Because there was lots of data on that one. Um, Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, that across the board, people are generally happy. Again, that's also backed by the fact when you look at the next uh, the next bar graph there, I'm actively searching for a new position that drastically decreased as well. Uh, because if you're um, not as confident that you find a, a job somewhere else, you're content, uh, then you're, you're going to be less likely actively searching for a new position. And I would say that we found that, you know, to even take a step away from the survey, just as a search firm, we experienced that on behalf of our clients and the, the searches we were conducting. 
they they had a harder time finding good people than they usually do. Uh, we we saw more more turndowns and counteroffers and, and things like that take place over the past year than we normally would because unemployment was down and it was just really hard to come across good people. Mm-hmm. It'll be again, you know, hindsight or future put my future goggles on. It's going to be an interesting a year from now to talk about unemployment and see how things are recovering because, you know, the numbers you're hearing now are 30% unemployment, you know, soon. Um so, you know, it, it to me it's good that people are satisfied where they are. Um but where does location fit into that? Because I know um, I I wouldn't want to pick up stakes and, and move to someplace else. Um, what is that uh, data showing you anything? Yeah, and and I'm right there with you. Um, I'm Los Angeles born and raised. Certainly appreciate so many other parts of the country, but as far as where I live, it's it's always been here, and uh, we're seeing that change too over time. Uh, and when we first started doing this, people weren't too particular about location. It was all about career advancement. They were most people were willing to go just about anywhere for a better opportunity. Uh, so much so that it was a bit of a common industry trend for people to leave families behind, or they would work where they needed to work during the week and then go back and visit on weekends or holidays or what have you. Uh, and some of that still exists, but I. You know, we get the sense that, that that's happening less and less when we look at the data uh, over the years and how people are responding now about their willingness to relocate and how they feel about certain areas that, uh, you know, they're still willing to, to pick up and go, but I, but people are more particular about what the opportunity is, who they're going to work for. They're taking other factors into account, too. Uh, families have, I think, more of a collective say over that process uh, and really what what their satisfaction boils down to, you know, are they going to be happier staying in their hometown, uh, maybe in a lesser role with a little less money or want to uh, pick up and leave for that, for that better opportunity. So it, it is, it is starting to change slowly but surely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was uh, reading some of the stats and you said uh, there were 22% of the executives who indicated that they wouldn't want to relocate. And that's 4% more than last year. Um, mm-hmm. But yet, so that's 78% who'd want to move. And uh, that's interesting. And being, you know, I've been in the gaming industry since, or associated with the gaming industry since mid 80s. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it is, uh, it is kind of a transient or very small yet transient um, industry. And in that the same people, you see the same people working at the different properties um Mm -hmm. so um one of the pieces of information i did find really interesting because you always hear about las vegas and how transient it is uh but 70 percent of the people who responded who live in las vegas say they want to stay in las vegas um and i lived there for 18 years and i some there are times when it's 30 below here in minnesota that i miss las vegas Mm -hmm. (laughs) um yeah, so those are those are very good stats to point out, uh, you know. But it, it, it's to be taken with a grain of salt. I mean, I, I'm always looking at the data as not only how are people responding, but what kind of feedback are we actually getting over the phone via email in person 
when we actually talk about a real opportunity, it's not just a hypothetical opportunity it's in the survey. You know, if I talk to somebody in Vegas about California, the Midwest, the Northeast, you know, in the thick of it, are they still in the 78% group that's willing to relocate or not? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we haven't been able to track, but, uh, you know, I, I say to take certain things with a grain of salt, and that's why I enjoy talking with people like you and others in the industry about the survey so we can provide that uh, additional insight as to what's really going on. Uh, because, again, the way the market's been, people have been content, not really actively looking. They may say it in the survey, but when we're really spelling out the opportunity and say, okay, is this something you're really willing to relocate for? Uh, I would say it's you know, closer to 50-50 uh, and maybe even less than that. Interesting. So that that is an interesting connection because you have the survey results, um, but also your you know Bristol is a recruiting organization. Do you see the mm-hmm. two correlating? Do you see the data from your survey matching what you find out or what you hear from candidates and companies from the recruiting side of the organization? Does do they match? Like more often than not, I think they do. Um, but again, this is one of these instances just in this particular topic when we talk about relocation uh, because we're actually out there uh, you know, on, on the ground recruiting, uh, trying, to, trying to get people to move and relocate, that it's, it's not as easy as, this, as these results would indicate. And so that, that tells me that when people say they're willing to relocate, you know, it's like, okay, well, what's their ideal opportunity? And, and does that ideal opportunity even exist? I mean, if you're you're a VP or in a C-level role somewhere, as you mentioned, it's transient. There's only so many properties, so many people. There may, you know, if, if you're already a CFO somewhere, there may not be too many places to go. So even if you are willing to relocate, maybe that opportunity isn't even available to you at this time or for the next quarter or the next two quarters in the year. So uh, I think it's still important to ask. There's still certainly value to the data. But I think in this case, there's also other factors to consider. So let's, you know, that what you were just talking about, the CFO example, um, from your experience on the recruitment side, um, let's say a CFO is looking for a better opportunity. Do you see them being um, sticking with the industry or do you see them saying, you know what, it doesn't have to be the gaming industry that I want to move my next career move is? It's another great question, John. There's a lot of people that are that are open to move, you know, moving in and outside the industry. Uh, from what we see, it, it still hasn't really happened full scale yet, uh, the way maybe it happens for other industries. Can't tell you why that is, but it, it still seems to be that if you know if you've been in casino finance for 15, 20 years, that's probably going you know, going to be where, where you're at in your next role, most likely, uh, and vice versa. You, you know, if you're in another one of the industries, even something we specialize in, you know, healthcare, food manufacturing, and you say you have an interest in, in moving to Vegas and working for a casino, it's not necessarily going to translate in that direction either. There's something about the industry people feel, they'll feel it's a specific skill set, understanding the nuance of it all, uh, and that you have to keep up with it too. You know, something we we often see is that if you've stepped away from it too long, people are hesitant to, to bring you back in. And then you don't have to be gone very long. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> We've always said it's like dog years. So, 
you know, 12 to 18 months and you're in that you're in that iffy territory already. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to, you know, another section of your survey and that's priorities. So I know you had several several categories for priorities and it looks like the executives, you know, prioritized career opportunity and growth as their their highest or most important um rankings did that surprise you or has that been consistent over time no that didn't that didn't surprise us uh and you know, most people that are at the executive level are ambitious and i think they're always going to categorize that as an as an important trait uh, or, or priority that, that they're after uh I think that's there's always going to be a bit of a given to that, but what we're really curious to track is is how the other parties, how they fluctuate. And again, now that we we threw PTO into the mix, and now we're trying to make people consciously aware of that and how that may affect some of the other parties. We'll go, oh, well, I never thought of that. That's that's now an important thing. And and again, on on the search side, that's become a very important thing, and it's really tied into the relocation topic that we just talked about. You know, can I can I telecommute? Can I work from home in this role? Do I even need to relocate uh, to consider this great opportunity in this company that I want to work for? You know, so these are all these these new things that are becoming more common, more popular, uh, not just in the casino industry, but in the work workforce in general. And I would say it's it's putting a little bit of a, a gentle pressure, I think, on us in the casino industry to to rethink how we're doing things and how things are currently being done, uh, especially if we want to keep up with other industries and perhaps eventually and ultimately recruit talent from other industries and, and uh, provide them with the things they may already be used Do to. Do you see, you know, putting on the recruiter hat and then um, knowing the data from the survey, do you see properties changing their attitudes about um, remote employees and, you know, when I worked in the gaming industry, it was a, a, a non-starter. It was just not going to happen. You had to be on property, you know, at seven in the morning and and you had to be readily available. So working from home, um, telecommuting, whatever, was not an option. Do you see that changing? Slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. And it depends on the role. You know, if you're, if you're in casino operations and you need to be on the floor, uh, Alexa <laughs> can't do that for you. Alexa, fix slot one thirty-two, <laughs> <You know>? please. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, yeah. So there's there's certain roles that that haven't changed. There's others that the, the envelope is currently uh, being pushed, and, and rightfully so. Uh, and I think the more companies explore and experiment in it and get used to it. Uh, even speaking from personal experience within our own firm and implementing work from home policies, even before we ended up in the situation we're currently in, it's something you get used to and you really learn even more about yourself and your company and the others you work with. And uh, it's, it's, um, it's a good feeling to know that, that we can all still be productive and participate in everything that we used to, even though things may be a little different. So uh, if I may chime in my personal opinion on this one, I don't think it's something to be afraid of. I think we should all embrace it uh, when it makes sense to, and it will only make everything better. So, you know, continuing more on the, the work-life balance, there's some interesting stats on here that you have. And it says 40% of those who check work every day while on vacation experienced employee burnout in the past year. That, uh, 
that kind of shows you, you know, correlates back to the 76% of the respondents say they work on vacation. I can see where the burnout would naturally happen. Where do you see that going? Seeing it rise? Or do you think people will realize, you know, I got to give my head a rest? Well, hope, you know, again, hopefully that this new data will will be an eye opener for people. Uh, it was even an eye opener to us because I'll be the first person to raise my hand and, and be guilty of not only being one of the 76 percent, but probably one of the 92 percent that, that does it voluntarily. Uh, you know, so it's to me, it really helps to see this and go, wow. Uh, 40% of us, if you think about the year, maybe you had a time where you were just, by the time Saturday or Sunday rolled around or whatever your your day off is, you're not, it's not just a normal recharge day. You really do feel burned out. Uh, so hopefully that that will bring uh, awareness to this and, and it'll cause us to reflect on on the way we operate and, and you know, not, not to do less, but just be more selective, be more calculated uh, on how we go about our calendars and, and our work days and our, our PTL and vacation days. This this work from home thing that where everyone is dealing with now, I saw a meme that said something like, um, don't forget Saturday's a weekend and so don't turn on your computers. Or, you know, had something about that because mm-hmm. working from home, you forget which day it is. And you just naturally go downstairs, or in my opinion, go down and turn mm-hmm. on your computer and check email and uh, mm-hmm. get ready for the first meeting. You don't have to do that on Saturday. So it was an interesting uh, meme, and it was kind of funny. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's, it's spot on. And, you know, we, uh, we talk about this and many other topics, whether it's, uh, you know, through LinkedIn or a blog or what have you. And, and this is another good one that ties into all this is, in that transition uh, to working from home, or even if you're not working from home, even if you still go in somewhere uh, or worry, or eventually we'll go back to going into an office. Now that technology is in your pocket 24 seven, you need to implement and, and create essentially rules for yourself or habits or, or whatever they may be. So that in a sense, you're, you're reverting to the way business used to be done. You know, so when you when you left the office and went home, if you didn't have computer or internet, I mean, maybe you could take some files home and things like that, but it wasn't as easily and readily available. So you were forced, uh, essentially forced to take breaks. And so I, I feel like we we all need to do that again. Um, and there's there's something on on the iPhone. I just learned you can set so that it grays your apps out after a certain point in time of the night. So that you're, you know, there's a bit of an extra step you have to take to to get to your email or whatever app that may distract you. So there's there's things that we can all do. Oh, I, I, that would be that would be tough for me. But you know, I know smartphones are kind of a blessing and a curse because there are times when, you know, I'll be watching TV and my phone will ding and it'll be my boss and he'll just be asking me a question. And then we'll just keep talking and it'll be an hour later, um, and that's set in, you know nine o'clock in the evening. So mm-hmm. you know. Back when I started in gaming in 1986, it wasn't like that. You didn't. We didn't have smartphones. So, um, so in your in your survey, you have several categories to me that are kind of interrelated. So there's work life balance, there's vacation, and then paid time off. And and each one, as I've said, has interesting stats. And that is, and on the paid time off, um, some of them were you know, felt guilty taking time off or felt discouraged from taking time off or 
encouraged to work while on PTO. That some of these pieces of data and these questions are were astounding that how they were how they were answered and the 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 results that you came up with. What can you elaborate on any of that? Yeah, well, it was another question, a uh, set of questions we were really excited to ask because these are conversations that, uh, you know, we realize discussing it internally, they're not easy to have. I mean, how many how many people feel comfortable having this conversation with their immediate supervisor, their employer, uh, any, any superior to say, you know, when you called me at 9 p.m., this is how I felt about it. Or when you called me on vacation or I had to respond to this email, if I didn't, I would have felt guilty or, uh, you know, now I feel reluctant to take time off from, from our experience. Those things aren't commonly expressed and we feel like that's only hurting company culture and, and productivity in the long run. So uh, another, uh, a good thing to be able to, to ask the question anonymously, collect the data, present it and, and show people and hopefully have that icebreaker. So people can see this and talk about it. And you know, I have to admit that, you know, I feel guilty taking time off and it's not because of, it's all self-inflicted. Um, yeah. That could know, be that too. Yeah. And it's, uh, um, I know a few times I've been on a beach in Mexico and I'll just, I'll th- okay, I'm going to talk to my boss and find out what's going on. And he'll actually very gently tell me to hang up the phone and go away. <laughs> um, and I think that's that's not bad, you know, when your boss tells you to, to go away. Um, so how do these three questions, are, or are they related? Do you see any relationship, correlation to the data? Yeah, definitely. That's why we, we tied them together uh, the way we did both when we asked the questions and then presented the data back, you know, back to back to back. Uh, and, and the numbers are, are staggering, not only the number of people that voluntarily work on vacation, which we've already talked about, but the 40% uh, who are, they feel encouraged to work while on PTO. And so your, your story is a perfect example of how I think we should all support each other, you know, um, so that we're not, we're not over uh, pressing ourselves because it's, it's not sustainable. Uh, And if we continue to do that in the long run, it's, 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 it's going to counteract the positive impact that we're trying to make, which is we all, you know, I would say speaking, comfortably speaking for all of us, that we take pride in our response time. We take pride in our ability to serve and do our job well, and that's where it stems from, which which is a good thing. The urge to want to respond to emails and to take phone calls after hours, overtime, during PTO and vacation, I think that stems from a good place for most of us, and that. You know, the reason we do that, we take pride in our ability to do our job well, to be there for our peers. Uh, but ultimately, you know, th- there can be too much of a good thing uh, and that can lead to burnout. So like stories like you mentioned of, of your boss supporting you to, to step away. I think we all need to do that for each other uh, up and down the, the ladder and across all of our organizations. So, Ben, we've talked a lot about your, your survey and it had some very interesting stats and I, I learned a lot. Um Overall, what were your conclusions? What did what did you learn? Well, we were happy to see that that the employee satisfaction has been consistently high for the past seven years. Uh, that was a big one. Uh, not you know, I guess not as surprising, but still still uh, happy to see that. We never want to see that uh, trail off. And you know, really the the, the PTO vacation, uh, you know, those topics weren't so new to us. Uh, those findings were really interesting to us and. 
And we're curious to see how sports book and betting uh, perceptions change over time now that that's on our, our radar. So it's it's been a big year for us for a lot of reasons, a lot of new topics to discuss, a lot of new results to analyze and, and talk to our audience about. And, and hopefully this will go uh, not only next year to number 20, but another 20 years. So Ben, I wanted to thank you for your time um, today. And I definitely want to touch base next year to talk about, you know, to see if we can compare 2019, 2020. I think it will be some interesting data, um, especially since, you know, with everything that's going on right now, I'd like to, to be able to follow up on that if that's okay. That'd be great. I, I really enjoyed our, our talk today. Uh, and it was interesting to get your, your personal insights and perspective on the industry as well. Uh, doing it. Uh, you know, for uh, even before our survey started. So I, I appreciate your, your thoughtful questions and input too. Yeah, no problem. So, so Ben, if our listeners wanted to get to get a hold of you to talk about the survey or on your recruit about Bristol Associates, what is the best way that they could get a hold of you? Yeah, so my email, uh, as we just talked about, uh, uh, pay close attention to it um, when appropriate. My email address is bfarber. That's first initial, last name, at Bristol, A-S-S-O-C.com. And the associates is abbreviated there. And also call my direct line, 310-670-0525. And my extension is 1109. Ben, thank you for your time. I hope your family is safe and well out in California. And uh, we'll talk to you again. Thanks again. Thank you, John. You too. Stay warm in Minnesota. <laughs> okay, I will. Bye.